You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. The cream of the crop! Hello and welcome to our one-year anniversary episode, a very special episode. We're going to be doing all listener-submitted questions, so thank you so much to all of those uh, uh, listeners out there who actually sent in questions and a few of them who recorded them so you're gonna to get to hear your own voices that's gonna be pretty nice happy anniversary yeah i think uh what's what's the gift for first year anniversary wood uh i think so you gave me some wood um <laughs> i don't i don't know if it's the right oh wait hold on um Jay, uh, we have a, a guest in the studio you said it was paper uh yeah i think the uh, traditional is paper paper okay so, so we, I, we messed up a little bit we messed up it's, it's a form of wood yeah so it's just it's what, what would that be like soft wood the soft wood it's, like it's important to recycle it's basically wood excrement so <laughs> that's what that is i guess so it's an entire year of a lack of seriousness has really started to get on it's, me for yeah, a little bit <laughs> the, the little bit of knowledge has stayed consistent but the lack of seriousness <laughs> has gone up considerably yeah. exponentially at a factor of 52 <laughs> at this point I'd well, here, here's a little bit of seriousness i think you have some uh, people to thank absolutely we do so we have some new uh patrons since the last time we updated so i'm just going to run back the list here um speaking of the list complete the list andy saunders is mm-hmm. a new patron for us peter wen Joshua Head, and Jonathan Robbins. So thank you so much to all of you who are now supporting the show. Hopefully you're wearing your belts proudly. Mm-hmm. And uh, we also have a little something special that Matt will be doing at uh, the Swing Round. So we pulled names from the 50 iTunes reviews that we got. So we're going to let you know who's won and how you can claim your prize. Great. Yeah, that should be pretty exciting. Um, I know we we haven't said what the prizes are yet, but that'll be pretty... pretty. Uh, we do know. know what they are at this point. Well, we, we do now. We They're, do know what they are. I don't. And, uh, I was left out of that conversation. And they are, they are things that nobody else has. It's in the mystery box. Yet. Oh. oh, no one else has yet. Okay, no. so there's a clue. Mysteries. Sherlock Holmes on the case. Hey, who else is in the studio with us, Jeff? Uh, so, joining us, a special guest host, so that we didn't cheat and know some of the answers to the questions, is a friend of the show and our personal trivia host... Jason Borson. How you doing, Jason? I'm doing all right, guys. How you doing today? Welcome <laughs> back. It's been a, been a little it's, bit. It's been, it's been a about year. a year, yeah. <laughs> I like you to introduce him as our personal friend. No, he's he's, he's our, trivia he's our, host. He's our he, personal trivia host. He's on retainer. <laughs> he's our personal masseuse, you know. <laughs> it's been a weird year. <laughs> Jason, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and what company you own and run? Yeah, sure. Uh, for the last uh, 15 years or so, I've owned and operated a mobile entertainment business in the greater Chicago area uh, named Liquid Courage Entertainment. Started it back in 2003, uh, providing karaoke and DJ services. Broke into pub trivia around 2010. So we've been going uh, pretty strong there for about eight years now. 
Wow. You, so you started this business when you were 10? Uh, yeah. Well, I have a baby face. You have to remember that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Without further ado, let's, uh, let's kick it over to the announcer guy for the rules. The rules of the game are simple. 20 questions split into two rounds worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. But the cream will rise to the top, oh yeah. So again, all these uh, questions today were uh, submitted by our listeners for our anniversary episode. So without further ado, Jason, you want to take it away? All right. Uh, first and foremost, I do want to thank all the listeners who uh, brought in questions, either through uh, voicemails or emails. Uh, I had a lot of fun over the last few days kind of pulling uh, through those. Second of all, you guys are brutal uh, in your ability to uh, to stump our, our friends in the studio here. So I may have made some edits, may have made some slight alterations to give them, uh, we'll call it a fighting chance on some of these. <laughs> so uh, if, I, if I ruined your baby, I do apologize, but hopefully the end result is... Uh, better than it may have been otherwise. Uh, Third and finally, we're going to run this game in a 2v2 format. We've got uh, Neil and Jeff facing off against Ken and Matt. Mm -hmm. I believe this is the grudge match part three. We're looking for that elusive first victory. (laughs) uh, This one's for all the marbles, though. I think think this one should count as at least four because it's from the listeners. So if we win, I think that's kind of... We're going to have to keep pairing up like this for a while then. Yeah, fair enough. Drew. Best of 100. There you go. (laughs) That's a really high bar. All right, so gentlemen, are we ready? Yeah, let's let's do it. I'm excited. And away we go with question one. This was submitted by listener Lee Poirier in Houston, Texas. Thanks, Lee. Thank you. Uh, Lee asked, what is the full name of the first movie to be released in which the character Boba Fett's name is spoken aloud? So um, Matt uh, wrote down uh, an answer on this one, and I actually had the same idea, so we are locked in. Okay. So I I do think it's Star Wars. Neil thought maybe it's <clears throat> not a Star Wars film. I, I don't think it is a Star Wars movie. Yet. I know it's not the original trilogy, though. Oh. Never mind. Continue. Well, <laughs> no. So he, in the movie, they always call him like Bounty Hunter, right. or uh, they just he just gets directed like mm-hmm. go do this um i have like a really god this would be like the trickiest question of all and i i'm wondering it's because they know they listen to the show but um in et huh? elliot talks to et and he goes look at my figures here's um uh whatever darth vader here's boba fett here and he goes boba here goes boba fett and uh yoda and i don't know if that counts it it might be. It is the first movie. I mean, that's nineteen eighty two. Yeah, and, and I know be... for a fact it's not in the original Star Wars. I know it's not for a fact in. Um... I'm pretty sure it's mentioned in the in the first, second, third, the the second trilogy, so to speak. Okay, which would be way later than eighty two. So E. T. sounds like a good answer to me. Uh, we'll, we'll go E. T. All right. What... So you guys are locked in with E. T. Yeah. All right, uh, Ken. What do you guys say? So Matt and I were both thinking uh, Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. Um, upon further uh, examination and hearing these guys discuss, we were maybe thinking it was the Christmas special, right? Mm-hmm. Is that what you were thinking? Yeah, and then I was also thinking possibly even if it was later. I know they talk about it in Clerks, and I thought that could have been possibly an okay. answer. Well, um, let's we're, we got to stick wrote. with our uh, locked in, which is Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. Attack and of the Clones. Okay, Christmas special is good too. I don't know if that would be considered a TV movie, but that's a good answer. 
Yeah, this one uh, genuinely surprised me when uh, when Lee sent it in, and I double-checked it through YouTube, and I believe he's right. Uh, Lee says that you are correct, Neil. E.T., wow. the extraterrestrial. <laughs> the job. first time on film where <laughs> yeah. Boba Fett's name was spoken wow. aloud. I think that was slanted towards Neil being a Spielberg That's movie the only reason I even thought of that, because I was thinking of saying the Christmas special, but that's a TV movie. It's okay. not a movie. But, I mean, I guess it is. Good pull. Yeah, wow. So. So points out the gate well, early. Good for, thing that uh, I just happened to be watching job. E.T. randomly last week and <laughs> was talking to someone about it. It's not random. That's part of your schedule. I know. That's all I watch. <laughs> your yeah. schedule. Neil gets up at 4.30 every morning so he can watch E.T. to start his day. <laughs> Question two. And this one comes from Lee to George, who is, ah. of course, the host of the Something Something Birds podcast. Getting both Lees out of the way early. <laughs> yep. Oh, this won't be the last time you hear from uh, anybody uh, named Lee. I have, a feeling, I have a feeling Lee sent in a few. So. Thank you, sure Lee. Did. Thank you. Uh, and for his first effort, Lee asks, sativa, indica, and hybrid are three main categories of what commodity? We're, we're, we're in. Sounds right. No, yeah. it's, it's right. We're in. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Okay. okay. We're in. That's yeah. probably right, but sure. Yeah, we're in. Wow, that was quick, guys, and <laughs> yeah. that may be telling. So we'll, uh, we'll start with Matt here. Uh, one of my favorite battle rappers of the 90s, uh, Cannabis. <laughs> I don't have a other joke than that, Cannabis. <laughs> yeah, it is indeed Cannabis or Marijuana. Congratulations. 10 points to both of you. It's surprising that you asked that question through the, the haze of smoke that's in the studio right now. <laughs> the times they are changing. Yeah. That's right. It's there, the was, there, was a, there was a time when we wouldn't be able to say this on the podcast. Yeah. That's true. We'd have to bleep cannabis. We'd yeah, have to fair go, enough. We'd have to uh, broadcast only to Denver. <laughs> Actually, a little disappointed you guys didn't need the hint on that because I wrote a beautiful one. Mm. Uh, it's a commodity whose popularity might be at an all-time high. Oh. Oh. We got jokes. People. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, question three. This comes from Richard Flagel. Mm, what's up, Rich? There are over 2,600 stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Richard wants to know who is said to be the first celebrity to get a star. Um, I really don't know on yeah. this one. I no think idea. I heard this recently, but I can't really pull it. Do you just want to go with like Charlie Chaplin or something? That's an old name that I could think of. All right, let's do that. Um, it's funny you guys mentioned Charlie Chaplin. His grandson actually sued the Hollywood Walk of Fame uh, committee because he wasn't in the first eight that they wanted to give stars to. So we're wrong. Thank you. No, sorry. Yeah, no, I'm just so interesting <laughs> factoid. Um, so as I, I said a long time ago, I love old Hollywood. Um, so there were eight original nominees, one including Burt Lancaster, actor. Um, it's said to, to be Joanne Woodward, uh, who was married to Paul Newman. She won an Oscar for Three Faces of Eve. They say that she's the first... And then also Stanley Kramer was the one who was actually laid down first. But I, I believe it's Joanne Woodward if you want to go with that, Jeff. Sounds good. We'll lock in with uh, Joanne Woodward. Okay. Okay, so we've got Chaplin and Woodward. Uh, according to Richard, uh, it is said to be Joanne Woodward. Mm. So nice job to you guys, Neil and Jeff. Yeah, a lot of uh, Hollywood lore in that in that story. How so. many stars do there have to be before we get ours is what I want to know. Actually, and there, here's another little fact for you, Matt. All you need to do is get nominated so Jason can nominate us, and we got to pay $40,000, <laughs> and we'll have our star on, That's on it. the walk of him. That's it. Yep. Right. But New you do have to be in one Patreon, of the five categories. Patreon stretch goal. Yeah. Stretch goal, $40,000, <laughs> Hollywood Walk of Fame. <laughs> That's, a, that's quite a bit of a stretch goal, but okay. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure they have a category for radio, so. Yeah, they do. All right, guys, question four. This comes, uh, interestingly, from two listeners. Uh, Maddie Chandler submitted this, and uh, Brian Israel from Hastings, Nebraska, sent us an audio question, and they were eerily similar. Uh, so I ended the same up... guy? Is that what this is? No, no. they both submitted oh. essentially the same question, different wording, so I uh, kind of took from both of them, combined it, and Maddie and Brian both ask, according to the New England Journal of Medicine, what animal, commonly seen as roadkill, is responsible for the most outbreaks of leprosy 
in the United States. Well, look, I wrote down some animals here. I'm not really sure, but um, you should go with your gut because you're the one with leprosy. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff or the uh, leper. That's what we call it. That's him. why we never show Jeff on any pictures and he All always right. hides. So you guys are locked in? Uh, we are locked in. Um, so uh, I think the first thing on the top of our heads was possum, but mm-hmm. I, I think that's kind of like a misconception that they're disease-ridden. I yeah. think they're actually pretty immune to most diseases. They're really popular on the internet right now, too. Yeah. So they wouldn't um, be if they had leprosy. I kind of liked armadillo, which you wrote down, because mm-hmm. it's kind of an outside choice, kind yeah. of a weird fact. Yeah, and I think they're pretty popular roadkill, and also maybe raccoon. Yeah, I mean, if if it was raccoon, I think that uh, leprosy would be more common, to be honest. Because there's raccoon. Want to go with around. armadillo? Yeah, I feel they like they seem like like you don't ever hear about it too much. So yeah. maybe it's a little bit rarer, and I'm sure leprosy is kind of rare these days. So I would hope so. Let's go yeah. with armadillo as an outside uh, outside choice. Locking in with armadillo. Ooh. Oh, I'm going with the esoterica there. So what are you going with? Uh, well, we had armadillo on our, our list of potentials. Um, in fact, there was a lot of overlap between the two. Uh, but we went with at least a common one around here. Deer. Hmm. Well, I can tell you one of you is right. Well, it's armadillo. It sure is armadillo. Yeah. There are two mammals in the world who carry the bacteria for leprosy or Hansen's disease. Humans and armadillos. Interesting. That's weird. All right, and we move on to question five, which uh, not surprisingly is a listener-submitted question this week. (laughs) How strange. Uh, This one comes from David Cruz, and David asks, Everyone knows who Mr. Peanut is, but that character has a real full name given to him by his designer. His name contains a cartoon character's name, a presidential first name, a presidential middle name, and a hockey trophy name. All you need to do is give me any one of the four words that make up his oh. full name. Or do we only give one answer or do we give... You know what? Take a stab at all four, guys. Okay. Nah. We could give one. I mean... With apologies to David, I'm feeling very generous does, in, uh, in sound, scoring this today. That does sound right, though. This sounds like a, a, a middle name that a peanut would have. kind of want to go with Roman J. Israel Esquire. <laughs> <laughs> we're, uh, we're locked in, yeah. Okay. So we wrote a bunch of junk. Um, as far as hockey trophy, I think that Stanley is too easy. Um, I, the other one, um, I know offhand is the heart trophy and I don't think that that is, would be a name. And there's the Vesna, which is the goalie trophy, but I don't think that's it either. So I don't know what else it could the, be. The Smythe? Yeah. Smythe. Let's go with Smythe. Smythe for that. Okay. So we're locked in with Smythe. And then what are other ones? Do want to do Garfield? Garfield, Cleveland, and Arthur. Okay. Let's do that. Okay. Uh, we went with Lord, uh, Millard, Quincy, and Stanley. <laughs> it's quite the noble name for both of you. Uh, you guys collectively had eight shots, and Zero. one of you got one of them right. The Khan Smythe Trophy from Ken mm. for the win there. Mm. Because uh, according to creator Antonio Gentile, Mr. Peanut's full name originally was Bartholomew Richard Fitzgerald Smythe. Oh. Uh-huh. All right, question six, and this is another one from Lee to George from the Something Something Birds podcast. Uh, This time around, Lee asks, how many Jeopardy clues are revealed typically before the first commercial break of the episode? Of course he would ask a Jeopardy question. Also, check out Lee on Jeopardy. I think this summer his episode's airing. Yeah, it's coming out soon. I I could see Lee going uh, out to a bar, taking Trebek, and they both are like there till three in the morning drinking shots of like, uh, you know, Labatt Blue or something. (laughs) So um, maybe we should look at the commercial breaks as a way. So I guess they would probably break up each round, <clears throat> and if it, if I'm not mistaken, a Jeopardy board, six categories, five mm-hmm. questions each, 
so 30 and they don't always get through them so i'm guessing it would tend to trend down just a little bit so a little less than half yeah a little less than half so i don't know maybe 13 um all right i'm fine with that because i don't know let's lock in with with that I think they get through the whole first round um, before a commercial break. Yeah, we also um, thought the first round, I thought it was five by five. I thought there was only 25 questions. So we're going 25. So we said 25. Right, so 25 and then 13. Mm-hmm. I think, unfortunately, Jeff, you overthought it a little bit on this. Uh, the correct answer is 15. Okay. Ooh, I wrote 15 down, too. Yeah. They do They do get through the first round most of the time, I guess. Hmm. All right, question seven, guys. This one uh, comes from Max Miners who, uh, as a caveat, wanted to say that it was a completely self-researched question. And while he's confident enough to ask it, uh, he is not 100% sure that it is the only answer that's acceptable. So, with that being said, Max asks, who is the only person to have both won an Academy Award and been murdered on screen by Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers, or Freddy Krueger? I'm just writing down the people I know that were either nominated for an oscar or well-known actors because there's a lot of well-known actors in these old movies like texas chainsaw massacre is not included in there but in the next generation one they have um matthew mcconaughey and uh, renee zellweger although i don't think they're killed by leatherface um you said jason jason freddie or michael myers Myers. yeah goodness gracious Um, mike myers is coming (laughs) uh could you imagine daniel day lewis (laughs) in halloween yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, we got it. Nice, Jeff. Thank you for Run the save there. Run for your lives. Run. Surprisingly, if we're right, Jeff got a film question partly. I think I think Jeff got it because I couldn't think of the name. Yeah. So, so you're locked in? We're locked Ooh. in. We're locked in. All right. So I initially wrote down Johnny Depp, and then that was all I had, and then I gave up. So Let's just go with it because I really don't know. Perfect. Johnny Depp. Uh, or Daniel Day-Lewis. Run. Run away. <laughs> yeah, he, he actually performed. He's coming. He performed as Jason Voorhees, but they just cut all of his dialogue out because it was too too esoteric. And he, yeah. and he spoke in too high of a voice. Right. Welcome to Camp Crystal Lake. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, surprisingly, we too had uh, Johnny Depp on our list. Uh, Neil says he's never won an Academy Award, though. Yeah, he's been nominated. He's never won. And then Kevin Bacon, who was killed in the first Friday the 13th, uh, has never been nominated. Which, that's a shame. And then uh, pa- Patricia Arquette won for Boyhood, but she does not die in Freddy 3. Mm. Heather so Lang- Lang- we does. went with uh, Octavia Spencer. Mm. Really? Okay. All right. Nicely done, Jeff. Octavia Spencer wow. is correct, who uh, died in 2009's Halloween 2. And according to Max, the terrible Rob Zombie reboot uh, of Halloween. Um, Max wanted you to know, by the way, uh, Neil, that you almost uh, fell for the trap answer, which is... Patricia Arquette. Uh, it's the answer when I independently researched this uh, yeah. myself to confirm it's the answer I fell into because you're right. She does play a character in A Nightmare on Elm Street 3. It's Kristen. Uh, and Kristen dies in A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, but the role was recast between films. Oh, I don't remember that. So, I just knew she didn't die in 3. Yeah. Patricia Arquette's yeah. character died, but it wasn't Patricia uh, Arquette portraying her when it happened. That's the one where you have the Freddy snake with the mouth that starts mm. eating her. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. <laughs> All right, guys, question eight. This time around comes from a listener named Jason Borsum. Oh, oh I hear is. he's a swell fellow. <laughs> Sounds handsome. <laughs> Sounds like he has a baby face. Yeah. Looks like he has a face for radio. Yeah. So, All right, if Ken were sunning himself on a sandy beach in Bora Bora wearing nothing but a Speedo and a smile, and he wanted to order a fruity tropical drink with a fancy umbrella as he is accustomed to, what language would he use, considering the nation that Bora Bora belongs to? 
There's a lot to unpack in this question. I wrote it. I know the answer. Including so. the visual image. Where's Boracon located? You're right. I don't know if there's a lot to unpack. I don't know if there's a lot to unpack there. But <laughs> hey, you focus as long hey. or as short as you want on that visual. <laughs> uh, okay. We are going to lock in with a guess on this one. Okay. So <clears throat> to help Jeff out, uh, I'm not the geography guy. I just wrote down random languages. So I wrote down Portuguese or Portuguese. Uh, French, Spanish, and English. I know you couldn't do the other two. Francais, um, <laughs> Espanol, Espanol. Um, so uh, I don't know why I put any of these languages, but I know like Cote d'Azur or um, don't, doesn't one of the Caribbean islands speak English or French as like its national language? A lot or of them do. Yeah, Haiti speaks French. Um, there's a couple. I mean, Jamaica is an English speaking. There's a couple Spanish speaking. So you're the guy. I, Bora Bora, I'm pretty sure, is in the Pacific. Okay, I don't know um, what that means. I, I feel like it's maybe French Polynesia, or it could even be an English-speaking country, honestly. Um, well, I'm going to give it to you. So those are my four, and you you pick from there. Sure, sure. Let's go. Uh, let's go French. We also went French. Mm-hmm. Ah, parlez-vous, gentlemen. You're both right. All it right. is French, as Bora Bora is part of French Polynesia. Uh, and while English and Tahitian are the most commonly spoken languages on the island. Uh, as an administrative region of France, the official language is French. So nice job. Good thing you did that. I would have gone English just thinking it was a trick question from Jason. So No, the, the Ken in a Speedo was the trick. Yeah. Ooh. Try to throw you off. Yeah. yeah. Ken's actually in a Speedo because the studio is so hot right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is boiling. So, so thank you for seating me next to him, by the way. Tangerine <laughs> Speedo, in fact. Yeah. All right. Question nine. This comes from Jesse Henkel. And Jesse asks, what fictional metal are Marvel's Wolverine's claws made from? Locked in. Got it? Yeah. I can't. I don't remember, but I know you know, so. Okay. Oh, I do maybe know. So, we're locked in. I, I just wanted, well, you, you locked in. I just wanted to confirm that you weren't going Captain America's shield, but that's fine. No. All because, right. actually, funny enough, um, I shamed a coworker the other day who says he's a comic book fan with this exact difference. Oh, okay. Because um, he said that Wolverine's claws were made of vibranium, mm-hmm. Captain America's shield, and I said, adamantium, you fool. Yeah. Adamantium. Yeah, it is indeed animantium. Uh, so nice job to both of you. Although, if we're being pedantic about this, Wolverine's claws it's are actually alloy made of bone. Of, yes. I know in the origin stories it's bone claws, but I, I think there are later adamantium in, uh, instances, correct? His skeleton uh, possibly, is but yeah, uh, it's coated in adamantium. Uh, fused technically with yeah. adamantium. So, yes. yeah, adamantium, but... An alloy. Mm. Bone, <laughs> bone claws is ready. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and to finish up round one, question 10 comes from Maddie Chandler again. And Maddie asks, what actor known for his dramatic roles was featured in a fake commercial on SNL as a spokesman for Old Glory Insurance, which is a life insurance company that provides coverage against the leading killer of the elderly, robots, who attack the elderly to consume their medications. So, I I mean, this doesn't really help anybody, but it sounds like it's one of those 2010s insane kind of late sketches where they just throw something against some the wall, of the so. absurdist stuff yeah so you're looking at that's fine that yeah. i mean your, your guess is fine to lock there was up. some okay. absurdist stuff in the mid 90s too the first snl commercial that came to mind while jason was reading the question was did anybody remember swill no like no. the it was like basically like bottom of the lake water bottled no. and it was like really gross and oh, they're like, selling that now it's millennials dirt in it <laughs> that's a real product it's i feel artisanal. like that one i feel like that one was phil hartman but um, artisanal dirt water yeah my argument against your guess is just that he's not uh, all the way a dramatic actor. Mm-hmm. I think it would be a more straight dramatic actor, but uh, I'm fine with the guess because I don't really have anything better. Okay. 
Um, so for us, uh, SNL is kind of a, a weak spot of mine, other than like the famous skits. And I'm not very sketches. good on sketches. Thank you. I'm not very um, versed on the fake commercials. Um, I don't know. Who do you want to go out of that list? I'm good going to Nero. All right, let's go. All right, we're going to lock in with Robert De Niro. Yeah. And see, I was thinking later um, in the 2010s, mm-hmm. uh, like Tina Fey, Seth Meyers era, and this person was on a lot, not necessarily hosting, but he would just be on. So uh, I was thinking John Hamm. So it could also be Patrick Stewart did uh, an episode that was really funny. Oh, that's possible. Yeah, that's a good one. And the answer is uh, it could be all those guys, but it is none of those guys. Mm. Uh, think Law and Order, Sam Watterson. Mm. Bump bump. Wow, that's yeah, that's a, that's a poll. I, I wouldn't even have thought of him at all. I was thinking of him as a TV guy, but well, yeah, if you think about him in the context of like the TD Ameritrade commercials, yeah, yeah. that he's been known for for about a decade, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. yeah, you can kind of see the connection there for comedy purposes. Good question. Yeah. So after round one, it looks like we have five correct for fifty points. We have six correct for sixty points. Oh, Ooh, tight game. Tight game. Yeah, it's fifty to sixty more points than I expected when I read these questions. So nice <laughs> job so far. You guys are batting over 500. That is one of our strengths is low expectations. <laughs> All right. So before we jump into the uh, swing round, just want to kick it over to Matt really quick for a special announcement. Yes. So we did a random drawing using a random number generator to get our five winners for the reviews. It was all quite random. It was, it was the most random thing I've ever done. Uh, if if your name is said, if you send us an email uh, with the subject title, winner, winner, chicken dinner or tofu dinner such as your prerogative for the vegetarians for all of our vegetarian listeners um just let us know if this is one of your reviews and we will send that prize out um so the five winners are three green ducks xz jackal xavier bubba j elmo or maybe bub j elmo either or there's probably only one of those lucas clausen and la platte a frog we really enjoyed these names, by the way. <laughs> yeah, we were worried that it was going to be like a lot of numbers and random generators, but these are all, I mean, I mean, Lucas Clausen, I mean, just way to go, like kudos to you just for kind of using your name. For having a name. Yeah. So again, send winner, winner, chicken dinner, or winner, winner, tofu dinner mm-hmm. to trivialitypodcast at gmail.com. I mean, it could be a pseudonym still. Yeah, uh, you're right. It could be. Let us know it's you and how we can uh, contact you. Yep. Looking forward to sending those prizes out. Thank you for your reviews. And uh, we're going to do another drawing at 75, maybe. Maybe a hundred. Maybe a hundred. We'll go a hundred. Let's Jeff, get a hundred. Jeff, do you want to talk about those prizes a little bit? So, I know. I know they're going to be somewhat randomized, but they're uh, they're pretty good. They are going to be somewhat randomized. So we've been working behind the scenes, uh, getting some merchandise together. So you will be getting some of the first run of uh, t-shirts, mugs, other triviality merchandise collectibles, and we will be sending those out to the winners. Should be a lot of fun, guys. So thanks again for for reviewing, and let's get to hundred. Then I guess Matt, right? Yeah, let's get to hundred. Cool. So, so you five and the uh, triviality folk will be the first ones to have their hands on uh, that merch. All right. So, uh, gentlemen, this time around, the swing round is something I like to call the Liquid Courage Decathlon. Ooh. Uh, your your mileage may vary on this. Let's find out. I'm about to list ten different cocktails. For each one. I want you to list the ingredients for these drinks according to the International Bartenders Association, or IBA. Uh, I don't want you to worry about listing things like the glassware that's used, any uh, garnishes, uh, the type of ice, etc. And you don't have to worry about quantities or preparation steps like layering or shaking. I just want the ingredients uh, that make up the cocktail itself. Now, you will earn five points for every correct ingredient you name. I'll give you three points if you give me a partially correct ingredient name, uh, and that is at my discretion as the judge. Uh, But 
for every incorrect ingredient you list, you will lose three points. Okay. <laughs> I was like, if, if there wasn't the loss, it would, that would be the whole game. Would be mm-hmm. How many cocktails can Matt identify correctly? Uh, in addition, I'll give you five bonus points for every cocktail that you can identify with 100% accuracy. Wow. Um, we cannot go negative in this, right? Just zero would be the bottom, I would hope. It's a swing round. Okay, Matt. fair yeah. enough. If you, if you name a swing. bunch of wrong ingredients. Just to clarify, after hearing all those numbers, I, I had a panic attack. So hopefully you can score this, Jason. <laughs> Is not answering an option? Uh, yeah, you'll lose nothing. Oh. Okay. You'll gain nothing, 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 nothing ventured. Gained, yeah. Nothing, yeah. That's good to know then. Are you guys ready for the list? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. Number one, daiquiri. Number two, old fashioned. Number three, Bloody Mary. Number four, Cosmopolitan. Number five, Long Island Iced Tea. Number six, Margarita. Number seven, Moscow Mule. Number eight, Sex on the Beach. Number nine, Tequila Sunrise. And number 10, Kamikaze. So, um... Me and Matt play are going to play it a little bit uh, safe on this one and just kind of write what we know pretty much for sure and uh, leave some of the extra ingredients out. Uh, how, how did you guys fare on this? We had a, a similar strategy because we didn't know a lot of the ingredients. We knew some for sure, and we took like one or two guesses, but uh, we're playing it safe too, but mm-hmm. I think there's a few wild cards on there that we might get penalized for, but we'll see. Mm. Despite my love of binge drinking, uh, mixed drinks aren't necessarily my forte, so. (laughs) For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, let's find out what you guys for, had for uh, number one, daiquiri. Um, we just, I, I really don't know, so we just said rum. Okay. Uh, we also have rum. And that's it for both of you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, playing right. that one safe. All right, you both earned three points right. uh, because the official recipe is white rum okay. mm. uh, along with simple syrup and lime juice. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah, that's that's your core on the rock stackery, no uh, fruit flavoring other than the lime. Hmm, Fair I didn't enough. Know that. All right, number two was an old-fashioned. So we had um, a, kind of a discussion with this one. We knew it was a brown liquid and that there's like an orange peel, I think, but we didn't know the exact ingredients, but we took... A guess with one of them. So, Jeff? So, uh, we did brandy and uh, simple syrup. Okay. Um, We played this one pretty safe. I know there's a lot of ingredients in this. Uh, For example, uh, whiskey, a malt cherry, malt sugar, uh, probably soda, bitters, uh, orange peel. But we ended up just going with whiskey, the sugar, and the bitters. 
All right. So unfortunately, uh, Jeff and Neil, you have lost six points Ooh. on that. Uh, what were your two options again? Please restate. Uh, brandy, simple syrup. Uh, neither brandy nor simple syrup appear in the recipe for an old fashioned. Uh, Ken and Matt, you guys ended up with 11 points. Wow. Uh, the official recipe is bourbon or rye whiskey, so I gave you a partial match for whiskey. Uh, Angostura bitters definitely are in there, uh, so I gave you the full five points on that. And you said sugar, uh, specifically, malt, malt sugar, yeah. it, specifically, it is a sugar cube, yeah. oh. uh, along with water. So 11 points. Nice job, guys. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, number three, Bloody Mary. We just went with the two that we are, and even I'm not sure because I've seen them made with rum, but we went with tomato juice and vodka. So okay. on the strength of uh, my recollection from Cowboy Bebop, we went uh, vodka and tomato juice. All right. That's 10 points for both of you then. Uh, Bloody Marys are primarily vodka and tomato juice. Salt. But because Bloody Marys are Bloody Marys, you have to throw in officially some lemon juice, Worcestershire sauce, mm. Tabasco, celery salt, and pepper. Yeah. Yeah. I knew all those ingredients, but I wasn't sure how specific to go yeah, with None this. of which are part of the garnish, which can be Pickle, basically celery, anything. Yeah. I thought Tabasco was one. I just wasn't sure. White Castle sliders, whatever you want to put. Yeah, right. That's I've the... seen it all. I've seen a fried chicken. Yeah. <laughs> turkey dinner. Winner, winner, turkey dinner right uh. there. Uh, number four, Cosmopolitan. Uh, so we we couldn't really recollect our fandom for Carrie Bradshaw on Sex in the City. I've never seen it. Um, I've seen all of them, uh, actually. But oh. I, couldn't, I couldn't remember what's in a Cosmopolitan. So we just put one guess, which or maybe, I don't know, what was yeah, it? We put vodka. Vodka, okay. Yeah, I think this is, this is wrong. Uh, I think it's actually triple sec vodka and a lemon wedge. Now that I think about it, but it's actually we wrote down cranberry juice and vodka. I think we're right. All right. Well, you both get three points for the vodka because officially it is citron vodka oh. in a cosmopolitan, and five additional points to Ken and Matt oh. for the uh, cranberry juice. Oh. Uh, in addition, you would have been. I would have given you credit for triple sec. It is officially Cointreau, which is a uh, Brand name for triple sec and lime juice mm -hmm. completes the recipe. So citron, vodka, Cointreau, cranberry juice, and lime juice. My time working at a bar has paid off for this non-drinker. Hmm. There you go. Number five was a Long Island iced tea. What did you guys have? There's there's so much in it that all that I know for sure is that they spray that little bit of cola at the end. So we just put soda. Oh, that's a good guess, actually. Yeah, we knew that there was like a million liquors in here. We just we couldn't uh, bring it down to which ones were actually in it. So... We, we guessed vodka, rum, and whiskey. All right, so ultimately, Ken and Matt, you ended up with three points because uh, you said soda, cola is an ingredient, uh, which is a partial match. Uh, as for Jeff and Neil, you earn five points for the vodka, but you lose three points for the whiskey, which isn't part of the recipe. And I gave you three points for your rum, which is, again, white rum in this mm. case. Uh, full recipe, according to the IBA, is gin, tequila, vodka, white rum, triple sec, gourmet syrup, lemon juice and cola and again that's one of those ones that they make it different at every place so we couldn't uh, specify which yeah, a which lot of places loses, ended so up just, just using a mix for yeah. convenience yeah. sake and the end result is always bad decisions <laughs> yeah that was me at university of iowa with the long islands <laughs> all right number six uh what was the recipe for a margarita gentlemen well we went with tequila and triple sec we uh we only knew tequila all right, we both get five points for the tequila. I will give you five points for triple sec. Uh, it is specifically Cointreau. Um, but again, most uh, triple secs are either well or Cointreau, so I'll give you that. Uh, neither of you mentioned the lime juice, which would have been in the complete recipe. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, number seven, a Moscow mule. So I knew this one. I, I, I know people that get this every week, and I know for <laughs> sure one of them, I believe, is ginger beer. So we put that. 
um, we couldn't re- remember what the alcohol was. I, I feel like it's a, a clear liquid. So we just we put ginger beer, right? That's it. Yep, that's okay. it. So I, I was pretty sure about the full recipe on this one, but we stopped a little short. So this is um, not the answer, but it's vodka, ginger beer, a squeeze of lime, and I think some places do bitters in a copper mug. But we're just going to go with ginger beer and vodka. All right, so that's 10 points for you guys, uh, Ken and Matt. Five points for uh, Jeff and Neil uh, for the ginger beer. Uh, what was it called, a Moscow mule? Yep. Uh, what would the liquor be in that? Something oh. Russian pasta. Uh, It'd be vodka, yeah. Uh, if you had said the lime juice, you would have had the perfect recipe because that's the third and final ingredient. The copper mug is actually the fourth ingredient. That's the most important. <laughs> well, yeah, but we, we specified no glassware we uh, served, needed um, to be stated. We served ours not in a copper mug at this one restaurant I worked at, and people were not happy. That's <laughs> not a Moscow mule otherwise. Number eight uh, was a sex on the beach. Well, the ingredient is usually uh, two consensual adults, um, but we, I, I, what did we put? Uh, and a shore. You're and limiting shore. it to two? All right, fair uh, enough. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's two Ken on a beach references today. Uh, I don't know if I can deal with that. He's not involved in this. I don't know. What did we put, Jeff? I don't actually, uh, I didn't know. Yeah, I think we, this. I think we just, we played it safe. We're, we're not going to answer. We're just going to blank. Uh, not what happens with a real sex on the beach. Yeah. Um, the only thing I could think that was in it was peach schnapps. So we said peach schnapps. All right, so obviously uh, nothing for Jeff and Neil, but five points for Ken and Matt because peach schnapps, along with vodka, cranberry juice, and orange juice, Mm -hmm. make up a sex on the beach. Number nine was a tequila sunrise, and boy, I hope you guys at least got five (laughs) points on this. I'm assuming we got the tequila. Yeah. And uh, we said orange juice. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those would be the first two ingredients, uh, but to give it that sunrise color, I believe you add grenadine. So uh, tequila, tequila, orange juice, and grenadine. Orange juice and grenadine. And we have a perfect recipe, finally. Congratulations uh-huh. to you guys, uh, Ken and Matt. Plus it point. is indeed tequila, that's a orange juice, and grenadine. Because I know we discussed grenadine. Yeah, we did. Yeah. That's okay. All right. And your 10th and final recipe was a kamikaze. Mm-hmm. Did you guys write anything? Um, we wrote uh, whatever the liquor, what did we put? Vodka. Vodka. And then triple sec. That's all we put. <laughs> I had no idea. We, we just one. wanted to play it. We we felt we did pretty good on the round, so we just played it safe and did not answer this. And one. for the record, I told Jeff we should answer triple sec for one of these, and since it was the last number, I said let's just put triple sec. And then pick a Japanese liqueur. No, we were thinking about it, but I don't. I don't know. think it is a Japanese liqueur. Jeff, yeah, Jeff was pretty strong not. on vodka, right. so what yeah. is it? No Midori in a kamikaze. That no. sounds like that would be terrible, frankly. <laughs> uh, kamikaze recipe is vodka, triple sec, Ooh. and lime juice. Good job. So 10 total points for Jeff and Neil, uh, nothing, of course, for Ken and Matt. So before the uh, scores are read again, I just wanted to recap um, five points for an exact match to the ingredient for our at-home players, three for a near match, um, minus three for an incorrect ingredient, and plus five for a uh, total correct beverage. Yeah. So we had 20 on that number nine, which was... Yeah, a- that's oh, that's why. Good. Okay. Yeah, that, that was sense. a game changer right there for sure. So uh, with the swing round, Ken and Matt, you earned 80 total points. Jeff and Neil, you earned 45. Okay. All right. I mean, it's respectable okay. for Jeff okay. and I who don't drink, so... Right. Yeah, not too bad, all things considered. Um, and before we, we move on to round two, um, just thank you once again to all our listeners for getting us to 52 for a full year. So thank you so much mm-hmm. again. Yeah, I can I honestly cannot believe it's been a year. It's been it's gone by so fast. I know when we started it, we were like, "Oh, Jeff." I didn't even think Jeff was like, "Oh, we're gonna last maybe you know six months. Yeah. See how it goes. It'll be fun." Pessimistic and, Jeff over here. Right? No, most podcasts don't. I I had no expectations, but I, I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it is. So I'm very pleased. It's been really fun. And um, can I just say, personally, mm-hmm. surprisingly uh, successful and fulfilling. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, it wasn't just like a, a hobby. I think it's maybe started out that way or something we want to do for fun. But, you know, getting our listeners a, a nice network of fans and people to interact with has been pretty um, pretty great, especially with Patreon, too. I mean, just the fact that yeah. people are helping support us. Yeah, yeah we, we owe it all to you guys. I mean, yeah. that and the people we've met so far, it's been really yeah. rewarding. The so. trivia community is amazing. So just yeah. happy to be a part of it. Very amazing. Thank you guys for turning this uh, kind of rough idea into a full-fledged podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and can I just say, as a uh, guest host who's appeared a couple times, the knockdown, dragout fist fights between questions between you guys are definitely a lot tamer this time around. So uh, we I do a good job of editing those yeah, out. I do want to congratulate you on a uh, limited number of bloody noses this Fair week. Enough. Well, and thank you to Jason too for basically, uh, you know, kind of helping form our team because that's we play with you every week, and then you kind of inspired us to start the podcast, and now thankfully you uh, you advertise advertise it for us every week. So thank you for that. Hey, you guys, it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun for me to watch you guys kind of grow and develop uh, and listen over the last year or so. And get more booze at Monday night. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now people hate us. So, <laughs> Oh, you meant audible booze. Audible okay. booze. Yeah. I, I get the booze at, at, <laughs> on Monday night. That's true. Uh, so after the swing round, um, we are uh, up 130 to 105. Ooh. Ooh, that's high scores. This is great. It's looking good. You guys ready for round two? Absolutely. Let's do it. Oh, yeah. I am. All right, let's jump right in with uh, question one. Uh, this time around, it's fittingly a music question from Lee to George, of course, the host of the Something Something Birds podcast. Never. And Lee asks, the 80s bands Falco and After the Fire warned you not to turn around because who is in town? Yeah, that's what I was going to sing. Yeah, that's yeah, I think it's don't turn around. Uh-oh, but yeah. da is in town. Uh-oh. Yeah. Star Fox is in town. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, some, something is in town. Well, it's Falco. It's Captain Falco. Nice. It's like a title. It's like a Swayze's like back officer in town? or uh, yeah. um, Roadhouse or mayor. It's like a it's a title, I think. Um, like a municipal. Could be. I don't know. Tom? Tom is back in town. I'm a deus. The guy from uh, MySpace. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so it has to be one syllable, right? Tom is back in it town. It doesn't have to be. Uh-oh. I just said a thing. I like how Tom Tom is probably the richest guy who gets yeah. guff for being like a failure. Right. Right. He's so a billionaire. $4.3 billion to Fox, who has really? no idea what to do with MySpace. Wow. Is he still a music site? <laughs> kind no. of, or no? Not He's the most he has su- nothing to do with it. He sold the whole thing. He's the most successful, one of the most successful guys on the planet and people are like oh yeah. tom what a pushover yeah. <laughs> this myspace failed he's not the one who has to testify after 10 in front years of, of success he's to be fair okay. though like zuckerberg almost made as much in one day as tom's worth total so it's so pretty what? fun it's funny once though, you get that, up there it doesn't matter yeah. do you think tom cares though that every news story they always just show that one picture of him like looking over his shoulder <laughs> like, you would have thought he would have changed that at some point from like, like 1999 i'm not using tom can do whatever he wants i'm sure tom's sitting pretty so so you're saying MySpace Tom is back in town? I mean, I'll default to you on that. Like I said, the only thing I know about Falco is the song Rock Me Amadeus. And all, the only thing I know one. about Falco is Edie Falco from Nurse Jackie and Soprano. So <laughs> let's just go. Uh, we're going to lock in. We have with something. Nurse Jackie? Yeah. No, no, with Mayor. We're going to lock in with Nurse Mayor. Nurse Jackie's uh, back in town. Yeah, Mayor. Mayor. Okay. We're going with Dalton's back in town. All right. Uh, I honestly thought you guys had this really early in when you were talking about uh, municipal leaders, but uh, it's Der Commissar. Oh, that would make sense. So close. One last, one what last is, word on uh, Tom from MySpace. I think he's looking back over his shoulder at four billion dollars, just a pile of money. Der Commissar is a Falco song, right? Is that the, is the title of a Falco song? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a Falco song that was uh, made popular with a remake by After the Fire. All right, guys. Question two, and this one comes from Donald Fuller out in New Hampshire. Donald asks. 
The Old Man of the Mountain was a famous rock formation in New Hampshire and appears on the New Hampshire State Quarter. In what year did the Old Man fall? So the Old Man of the Mountain, the New Hampshire State Coin came out in 99. Okay. It was one of the first five states, and that was when they started the 50-state quarter series. Okay. And it was still in existence in 99. Okay. Um, I believe... So it's, it's recent. It was a recent thing, yeah. Okay. I want to say I want to say I was in high school at the time, so somewhere between like two thousand four, two thousand six. Last week. So yeah, just go with your go with your gut. I mean, uh, I mean, the first thing that came to mind was two thousand six. I don't know if that's right. Because we know but, when you were in high school, all you were doing was telling everyone, "Did you guys hear about the old man in the mountain?" Probably, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know why you sounded sound like. like yeah. That sounds a lot like me. It sounds like you as a drug dealer. Hey, do you guys want to hear about the old man in the mountain? <laughs> I got a story to tell you. So your answer is two thousand six. Okay, uh, I had similar thinking that it was a recent event, but I thought it was. Actually, fairly recent, and I went with 2014. Ooh, I think it's pretty recent. Uh, 2014 is pretty recent, but the old man mountain uh, fell in 2003. Ooh, Ooh. that Close. would be that would have been. I my was in high school. Year. I was not too far school. off. There, I was Jeff. in high school. All right, we move on to question three, and this is another one from listener Maddie Chandler. Mm. Maddie asks, "What do the following four songs have in common? The songs are Invisible Touch by Genesis." Sing by the Carpenters, I'm a Believer by the Monkees, and Sister Christian by Night Ranger. That's a good guess. Jerry Maguire. Let's say they're all in Jerry Maguire. Sure. Okay. I wonder if Ken was onto something. We're already locked in, but I think Almost Famous, they have Night Ranger when they're on the plane, maybe? Mm. I don't remember. But um, we just said uh, either it was in Shrek or, or if you want to be less specific, the Shrek franchise. Don't think it's Almost Famous. Okay, know. so you both ultimately uh, thought they were all songs featured on the same soundtrack? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, this question had less to do with the songs and more to Producer? do with the singers. Hmm. Uh, these are four examples of songs that feature drummers, drummers oh. as lead vocalists. I was going to make a joke about uh, Phil Collins coming from the back. Um, cause like, and then I was like, no, the other four aren't like, uh, you know, somebody took over. I didn't realize but, uh, that the drummer sang I'm a Believer, unless he was just one of the singers. If there was an under oath reference, I would have got it. <laughs> That's for me only. Is, he, is, is the drummer the, 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 the clean singer? The clean singer. And yeah. the, the front man is the screamer? Yeah. Gotcha. Oh, okay. <laughs> for, for all you listeners out there. Who like Under Oath. Yeah. It's, it's a big uh, slice of the Venn diagram. Sure Isn't Under Oath that apparel that I wear when I go lift weights? Yeah, that's Under Armour. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought Under Oath was that retro video game my kid plays. Uh, Undertale? Ah, yeah. Overwatch. <laughs> <laughs> all right, go ahead. All right, guys. Question four, and this one comes from Josh Martin in Springfield, Missouri. Josh wants to know, astronauts first left Earth's orbit and traveled to the moon on what Apollo mission? Right. And don't say Neil Armstrong's mission. We're locked in. Okay. I'll just trust Jeff. So um, meaning, meaning they entered... I'm about 90% sure. Yeah, can you or they, they orbited the moon? Uh, Not uh, implying sure, that I'll they give touched you a, down. Yeah, I'll rephrase. Um, astronauts first left Earth's orbit and traveled to the moon... On what Apollo mission? Okay, this does so not necessarily mean they got there. They stood on the surface. Okay, so they they went to the moon, but they didn't necessarily land. Okay, yeah. so yeah, eleven was Neil Armstrong's mission where they landed. Mm -hmm. Do you want to go like two back and say nine? Yeah, I mean, I think it's in that seven to seven to nine range. Yeah, let's say seven. I think that seven. Yeah, it's kind of early. You good with that? Yeah. All right, seven. Sure, Apollo seven. seven. I always wanted to outdo you by one. Anyways, we want Apollo eight. Mm. 
Good call because it is it is Apollo <laughs> 8, yeah. So we should have put our minds together. That one I knew. Yeah, Apollo okay. 10 was the uh, dress rehearsal for Apollo 11. They uh, orbited the moon and went down to about 10 miles above the moon's surface. Apollo 9 was the first test of the uh, lunar lander mm-hmm. in orbit. Uh, they never left Earth's orbit. And Apollo 8... Uh, was the first mission that actually went to the moon itself. Correct. Interesting. Uh, and by the way, guys, Josh uh, wants your listeners to follow him on Twitter at Pub Trivia Facts, mm. which sounds like a pretty good way to practice oh. for our uh, live trivia. I nights. think we, we follow them. They're... Pub Trivia Facts. I believe we do. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, there. Are, up there. there. And if we don't, following. we will. All right. Uh, question five. This one comes from Asha Youssef. And Asha asks, what Chicago landmark is often credited with the invention of the brownie? We are locked in. Are you thinking like Montgomery oh. Ward? Is that what you're thinking? Are we locked in? You can online. We're not. I don't know. Um, we're um, locked in. You're you locked talk. in. So uh, Marshall Fields used to be, or I guess kind of is still famous around here for the Frango Mints. I mean, even though uh, Macy's took over, they still have that famous clock. Right. Um, so that's a famous Chicago landmark. I mean, there's the Water Tower, but that's just like a mall now. Water Tower Place. Um, I can't think, I was trying to think if like, um, I mean, I, any of the big skyscrapers seem unlikely. You know? Right. And I don't think it's going to be the, our famous, like Garrett's popcorn. I don't feel like they would have a, a random brownie on their list. So, and it's not Portillo's or anything. So, right. um, or it could be, I don't know. Delicious chocolate cake. Yeah. It's true. Chocolate cake's great. They're going um, nationwide now. Mm-hmm. Do you just want to go with uh, Marshall Fields is like really the only Chicago centric thing I can think of. And they, they do have sweets. That so. may have sweets. Yeah. I'm good with that. Okay. All right. We're, we're locked in with Marshall Fields. Uh, <laughs> We uh, we were thinking um, more along the lines of a candy producer, chocolates, and that thing. So we went with uh, Fannie Mae. Ooh, uh, pretty good guesses from both of you, but the answer is the Palmer House. Mm. Oh, the Palmer House. I stayed there once. Did you get the brownie? I did not. I didn't know they uh. had a brownie. <laughs> All right, question six. This is another one from Maddie Chandler, and Maddie asks, if one of your British friends asks if you can lend them a biro, what are they asking to borrow? Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree with you, Jeff. I think we should we should go with that. I'm pretty sure it's right. Yep. Yeah. Um, can you borrow a feeling? That's all I can think of. Right now. <laughs> and, what about uh, like uh, like a condom? Yeah. Like, hey mate, you got a condom? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Don't do it. I don't know if you would borrow that. Are you giving it back <laughs> yeah. when you're no, done? No, 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 no. <laughs> but you know how people say, "Hey, can I borrow yeah, something?" I and then they just use yeah, it. You're right, though. Can I? Can I bum a condom? Like, that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't happen. All right, let's go with the cigarette. Sure. Okay. That's not the British idiom I know for it. All right, so um, famously, um, one of the common ones, it's, if it's often sold this way, is uh, Bic. Makes a Bic Biro. Mm. Um, and Ken often yells at me for clicking them in the studio. That would be a pen. And I just to add, I think it, the guy who invented it was like Laszlo Biro or Biro. I could be wrong, though. Yeah, yeah, like the, no, one you're of the ab- first ballpoint pens, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Uh, named after Laszlo Biro, who pat- patented the first commercially successful modern ballpoint pen. Mm. I was going to write a question about that like two pen, months ago. Pen shinfo. A little shout out here to uh, the pen addict. Uh, if any of you are giant pen fans. What is and, that? Uh, what is that? <laughs> what? Is that like a channel? <laughs> so it's a it's a podcast. Um, Mike Hurley uh, from Relay FM hosts the show where all he talks about is how much he loves pens. What a niche. Wow. <laughs> so one of his other shows, he plugged that show and he mentions he likes pens, a big pen. pens. Yeah. I'm going to make, make a competing show called Pen 15. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be a real Pen 15 for doing it. <laughs> all right, go ahead. <laughs> All right, guys, we've got question seven, more from uh, Lee DeGeorge, host of the Something Something Birds podcast. Oh, he has a podcast? Yeah, apparently. A lot of free promotions. It has yeah. something to do with birds it's, from what it's I It's quite good and very short, which is yeah. really nice. 
All right. Lee asks, uh, what chocolate company is responsible for the earthly delights of Rocher, Nutella, and Kinder Eggs? So let's lock in your answer because I have no nothing else and I, I'm not going to pull it. So on my end. I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to look at the Kinder packaging. So it's not like an American company, right? Kinder chocolate. Oh, God. Any excuse yeah. for Dutch I Boy? I want the prize, please. I want the prize. Dutch Boy paints. Dutch Boy may have to be buried after this episode. <laughs> Dutch Boy's getting his own belt. Be on the lookout. <laughs> Dutch, hey, you know what? If, if one guy can start a podcast about pens, I'm going to do a podcast all in the Dutch Boy voice. <laughs> You're allowed to have a podcast with no listeners. Neil. About, <laughs> and it's going to be about pens. Ball point. How about, like, how about like Alex Jones rants, but in <laughs> Dutch Boy voice? I could do that. That'd be funny. Take these vitamins, please. I would Patreon that podcast. They are, they are supplements. All right. Um, so are you locked thinking? in with Nestle? something? We're locked in. I don't think it's Nestle. I don't. I, I was thinking Cadbury. You want to just go Nestle? I don't. I don't know. All right, Nestle. Nestle it it's is. not right. All right. I believe it's uh, Ferrero Rocher's. So we went Ferrero. It is indeed Ferrero mm. Rocher. Uh, Ferrero's behind Nutella and Kinder Eggs as well. All right, question eight. And this comes from uh, listener Danielle Fields, who asks... What two musicians were given the satisfaction of a songwriting credit on the song Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve as the result of a plagiarism charge? You know that one? I think I get the clue. It's yeah. a bittersweet got It's got to be these two. Symphony. We're going to lock in because I feel like that clue, I think I'm going off the clue. Okay. Okay, so I there's mean, a big... I mean, you're close if you're right. There's a big satisfaction. You said they got satisfaction. Yeah, no, it's, it's So it's got to be the Rolling Stones. What's, what Rolling Stones song is that a ripoff of? It's, um, I, it doesn't matter which one. Uh, so we're going uh, Keith Richards and Mick Jagger? Yeah, for sure. Okay. We, we also went with the same based off the clue. Uh, in any event, you guys are right. It is Mick Jagger and Keith Richards. All right. Uh, and the reason for that is the song's hook uh, samples an orchestral cover of the Rolling Stones tune, The Last Time. All right, question nine. This is another one from uh, Richard Flagel. Richard asks, most people know about the Christian Crusades to retake the Holy Land. Not counting the People's Crusade or the Children's Crusade, how many total official Crusades were there? Just pick a number between one and ten. Well, let me use let me use the uh, random generator. No, 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 no. But I want to use the random generator. <laughs> I I don't know, Jeff. You're just gonna have to pick a random number. I'm. I'm it's it's weird. I'm also. T. I'm also thinking it's a number between one and ten. This is what my gut tells me. That's my lucky number. Let's go with that. Good deal. It's also a Chinese lucky we're number. We're going lucky number seven. Schleven. Lucky number eleven. <laughs> Kansas City Shuffle. That's right. We want Chinese lucky number four. So lucky number seven, lucky number four. Uh, you want a cat's lucky number nine. Ooh. Ooh. Nine Crusades officially, mm. plus the People's Crusade and the Children's Crusade for eleven. It's a lot of Crusades. For the record, the random num- number generator was correct. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just throwing that out there. Ken, you've been hoisted on your own petard there. <laughs> All right, in question 10, the last one in round two comes from Maddie Chandler one more time, and she asks, based on the painting A Sunday Afternoon on the Island of La Grande Jete, what is the name of the 1984 musical written by Stephen Sondheim and James LePen that is a fictionalized account of both the creation of the painting and the life of its French creator? And for five bonus points... Ooh. Name the well-known Hollywood actor who originated the role of the main character on Broadway in 1984. 
What do you What do you guys have against sports? That's all I want. To I know. will say uh, Jake Gyllenhaal just did a run on Broadway, but that is not the question. From 1984. Uh, yeah, from 1984. I probably when he was two years when old. He was like two. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I have the musical, no problem. Okay. Um, You're just stretching for the bonus points now. Yeah. What's getting me off track is um, Barefoot in the Park had Robert Redford in it, which was not um, the answer to this question, and um, uh, Jerry Orbach from uh, Law and Order. Bum, bum. Yeah, he's a uh, he's a great actor on TV, but he was a big Broadway star. He did like How to Succeed in Business and stuff, and originated a bunch of casts on Broadway. So I'm, I was thinking them, but if it was '84, it's probably someone else. But we're we're gonna lock in 100 uh, percent with the and they're still waiting. T- yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. With the musical title, so we're we're in with the musical title. Okay. So I'm just I, I asked a Sondheim question before, and I was like, oh, what else did he do? And I kind of like read through. I'm not sure I can even get the answer the like title of this correct but there was one called like something happened on the way to the forum or mm-hmm. something like that so i think that's what we should go with um sure i don't i don't know otherwise yeah and then for actor do you have any i have no idea yeah who uh, johnny Depp. jeff goldblum jeff goldblum <laughs> okay um so the musical is sunday in the park with george and um, I'm just going to guess he's more of a Broadway star than actor, even though he's on Homeland. We're just going to say Mandy Patinkin. Oh, that's a good, a good guess there. You hit the bonus, Neil. Nicely nice. done. Is that it? Sunday in the Park with George, uh, premiering Mandy Patinkin, George Seurat. Mm. Is, isn't Mandy Patinkin the, the name of that old Russian film? <laughs> Battleship Mandy Patinkin? <laughs> Uh, no, the only reason I thought Mandy Tankin because he said big star, and I was like, it wouldn't be him because he's only, um, you know, he's on Homeland, and he was in, um, he was in Princess Bride. Princess Bride, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm glad I pulled that one. Okay. Hello, my name is George Surratt. That round was bad for us. <laughs> we got ten points. We got fifty-five. Oh wow! So uh, we really, are we are now round, in that round. You got fifty-five points. Yeah. yeah. You're kidding. After yeah. the second round, we are now trailing one sixty to one forty. I think we deserved that after that yeah, round. <laughs> well, we, we we were winning so bad, we wanted to take a round off and let oh. you guys catch up. So, Jason, you, you told us you had a special final round planned. Uh, yeah. Uh, today's final round is an all-audio-submitted listener question round. All five of these questions uh, were recorded and sent to you guys. Uh, so we'll be playing the audio throughout the course of the round. Okay. I'm led to believe that there are some overflow questions as well. So I'm sorry if you didn't make it onto this episode, but we will be definitely using those in future episodes Mm -hmm. and crediting you for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's let's get to this audio round. We're excited. All right. You guys ready for the categories? Let's do it. Uh, The questions did not have categories to them. So I came up with what I thought were hopefully clever ones. Okay. Uh, So the final round categories are Sweet Carolina, a thorny language question. Wild, wild Western literature, a question about nothing, and kids play the darndest things. Uh, Both teams are in with the wagers, so let's go ahead and hear those uh, audio questions. All right, guys. uh, Question one, the category was Sweet Carolina, and I'm going to hand it over to Sam from Watauga, Texas, for this question. Uh, Though South Carolina is currently known as the Palmetto State, in the 1930s, it was known by another name, thanks to a PR campaign by the South Carolina Natural Resources Commission to promote high amounts of this 53rd element in crops from the region. All right. Uh, question two, the category was a thorny language question. So I'm going to throw it over to Jonathan from Boston, Massachusetts for this one. 
My name is Jonathan from Boston, Massachusetts, and my question is, with fewer than 400,000 native speakers worldwide, what is the only modern language whose alphabet includes thorn, a runic letter that has survived directly from Old Norse? And question three category was wild, wild Western literature. So I'm going to hand it off to Aaron from Richmond, Virginia for this one. Oscar Wilde famously said, I can resist anything except what? All right. For question four, category is a question about nothing. This one was sent in by Tom and Jill from the Trivia Hot Dish podcast. So I'll let them take it away. We are Tom and Jill from the Trivia Hot Dish podcast. And here is our question. In an episode of Seinfeld, George Costanza develops an obsession with this actress after being told he's apparently just her type. Hint, she's not the original Mona Lisa, but she plays one on the big screen. All right, in question five, in Kids Play the Darndest Things came to us from Brent Bullmeyer from Marissa, Illinois. So here's Brent to ask. Saying that a large one can transport a child to a world of his or her own where anything is possible. The National Toy Hall of Fame inducted what item in 2005? Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The Nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-Off launches April 9th. All right, and the gentlemen are locked in, so we'll throw it to uh, question one. Sweet Carolina, Ken and Matt, you wagered nothing. Jeff and Neil, you put 10 points down on this. What did you guys think? Um, we just kind of phoned it in because we didn't have anything riding on it and Correct. went iron. Okay. Uh, I think iron's 26, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but uh, I thought this was going to be a geography question. It turns out it was science, so hopefully I got it right. I said iodine. 
The answer is iodine. South Carolina was known as the iodine state in the 30s. The commission was hoping to expand the national market for South Carolina products by promoting their high iodine content, but actually saw little benefit from the campaign, uh, especially after in the 1940s the arrival of iodized salt essentially removed the demand for high iodine content foods. Love the show. Keep up the good work. Congratulations on the 50th episode. All right, number two, a thorny language question. Ken and Matt wagered 10 points on this one. Jeff and Neil wagered nothing. So mm. we'll start with uh, Jeff and Neil. Um, with nothing on there, I think we just went uh, Icelandic because of Bjorn. Mm-hmm. We also went Icelandic uh, considering the size of the country and the region. Oh, yeah, I forgot about 400,000. That would be Icelandic, yeah. So, Jonathan, what language was it? And the correct answer is Icelandic. Thanks, guys. Neil and Jeff, unfortunately, didn't wager anything, but uh, would have had up to 30 if they had. (laughs) Number three, wild, wild Western literature. Uh, Ken and Matt, you have 10 points on the board. Jeff and Neil for five. Uh, This is not the question we were expecting. Nope. But uh, we went with women. Yeah, so uh, along Ken's lines, I was thinking maybe it was something to do with uh, with like sexuality or something because Oscar Wilde's plays and, and literature are always about like love and, and everything like that. But we ended up just, because he's a writer, we went with um, applause. All right, and Aaron, what's the answer? And that answer is temptation. Thanks so much for everything you guys do. I love the podcast and y'all are fantastic and look forward to talking to you all soon. Uh, Aaron, you're absolutely right. Oscar Wilde, known for his uh, witticism in his quotes, I can resist anything except temptation. temptation. Oh, that's right. So no points earned. Uh, Ken and Matt, you lost 10. Jeff and Neil only lost five. Number four, a question about nothing. Ken and Matt put 20 points on this one, and Jeff and Neil only put 10. So what do you guys say? Um, so Ken kind of tipped his head a little bit because uh, I, I was trying to think of who was on the show that was a celebrity and then I realized there was someone and Ken sometimes not all the time but he's talked about this one movie that's a courtroom drama and I remember that the woman who won the Oscar uh, her name which I didn't realize was the trick is Mona Lisa Vito and that would be uh, Marissa Tomei yeah she had a thing for short fat bald men short uh, stocky bald. stocky that <laughs> excuse me Mr. Costanza you're right stocky uh, we said Marissa Tomei and the answer is Marissa Tomei. All right. Nice job, guys. 20 points for Ken and Matt. Jeff and Neil, you got 10 points. It was indeed Marissa Tomei. Thanks to the uh, Trivia Hot Dish podcast for that. Mm-hmm. And our fifth and final question, kids play the darndest things. Ken and Matt put a 10 spot on this one. Jeff and Neil for five. We, uh, Jason, credit to Jason. I think we recently had uh, a top 50 uh, list for uh, toys that have been in the Kids Hall of Fame or whatever it is. the I can't remember that. Uh, yeah, every toy inducted into the National Toy Hall of National Fame. National Toy Hall yep. of Fame. Yep. And uh, Neil and I pretty quickly settled on Box. Mm. We argued about this one for a while, uh, trying to get to what it was. We had imagination, but that's too abstract. And then, it's not an item. Yeah, then book. It's like a large book. Um, but then it just kind of hit me, and I thought, what about a box? And we said box. All right, box from both of our teams in the studio. Brent, what's the answer? The answer, a child is transported to a world of his or her own, one where anything is possible when inside a large cardboard box. The answer is cardboard box. So Can nice I job, Ken and Matt. 10, 10 points, Richard. When we lose by 10. 10. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Ken and Matt, nice job. 10 points for you. Uh, Jeff and Neil, only five points. And that leaves us where on the scoreboard? Uh, I believe... 
uh, Ken and Matt had 170, and Neil and I had 180. Ooh. That was the sound um, of the mic dropping. <laughs> that was actually a sound of a pen, which you can hear on the pen podcast that Jeff <laughs> listens to. For our uh, listeners overseas, that was a biro. Uh, yes. A biro, yeah. A biro drop. Uh, well, thank you so much, Jason, for stepping in today, uh, you know, fielding all these questions, putting them together, and uh, presenting them to us. Yeah, I no, think- absolutely. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me again. And after a year of doing these, it still hurts when I f- we find out that Neil and Jeff are today's cream of the crop. Unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in, but the cream will rise to the top, oh yeah. And uh, Jason, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me online at facebook.com slash liquidcourage. That's uh, liquid and then courage with the letter K. Uh, and you can find me all throughout the Chicagoland area, hosting uh, regular pub trivia nights, uh, largely in the uh, Brookfield and Western Suburbs area. And you can find me in a couple hours from now demoing our first ever collaborative live trivia effort. Uh, that's between Liquid Courage Entertainment and, of course, the Triviality Podcast. A uh, new format called Tringo, which is a theme-based 60-question uh, competitive team trivia event uh, featuring bingo rules. If you're ever in the Chicagoland area or if we ever take this on the road, we'd love to see you guys. Yeah, if you like bingo and trivia and us possibly, like this could be something yeah, that you'd see, be interested in. Seeing one of us. Uh, mostly mostly come for the other stuff. You don't necessarily Yeah, care Jason's about us. a Jason's a great host. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. And speaking of a funny story, because this is one year old now, um, when Jason was on the first time, I don't know if you guys remember, but I could not say courage. I kept saying liquid courage <laughs> because of the K. That? I kept looking at the K and I was like, liquid courage. Courage. I personally hate it when I'm making breakfast in the morning. I put a little too much milk, and it's liquid porridge. <laughs> uh, that's like at the end of Raiders Lost Ark when uh, the, the Ark is put into uh, deep storage. <laughs> oh, God. Um, anyway, Jeff, why and, don't you uh, take, take us out? That there? was Triviality, no? It's <laughs> uh, our last episode ever. No, um, <laughs> Triviality has been canceled. After terrible jokes. So uh, thank you so much to all of you who contributed to the show directly by um, putting in questions, uh, recording your own. Um, This was a really fun game. Uh, It was really nice uh, to have Jason back in the studio. And uh, if you would like to reach out to us, best way always, trivialitypodcast.com, our website, where you'll find links to basically everything that we do, including Patreon. So if you'd like to support us, please go to our website or patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast. Uh, where you can get uh, special bonuses and perks and bonus episodes, stickers, possibly shirts, maybe. And maybe you just want to claim a belt. Uh, Thank you again to those of you who already support us. One year in, that was Triviality. A maestro reaches across the room and starts to drink your milkshake. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. Don't bully me, Daniel. Ah!